Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel. Hello, and welcome everybody to another edition of the Solar Panel. Yeah, it's not Saturday. We got a little midweek stimmy, I think we're going to call it here, uh, going on for you. You guys asked for it. We're bringing it to you, so... If you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate you. If you're watching this video, it means you are a special, special person because you are a flaming baller who has joined on YouTube because the video is exclusive to members, but you can get the audio every week on the podcast feed. And I am your host, Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. Joining me as always is the Silver Fox. Usually he's from down under, but he's right next to me on the video feed today. So, or not the Silver Fox. Oh, uh, I was right. like, what the hell? I mean, I know I got a little gray in here, but damn, son. Well, I got to give you a hard time sometimes, too. Dave's not yeah. here. Uh, family in town. Uh, no funny reason he's not here. He's just got family in town. So it's just Saul and I, and I'm used so used to Dave being next to me that I said the Silver Fox. But no, it's usually the Caramel Thunder from down under. But today next to me, it is Saul Bookman. So <laughs> how are you? Oh, man. You know, I think I'm a little bit better now than I was last night after the game. I'll tell you that much right now. You know, it's uh, It's been a kind of a crazy uh, last 12 to 16 hours. Yeah, I mean, I think I I'm pretty sure all of Sun's Twitter sounded like this. No. No way. Yeah, basically, <laughs> they all reacted in complete and utter shock in watching the Suns blow Tuesday night's game on TNT. Glad we had a national audience for that massive meltdown. Uh, they were up by as many as 24. They wind up losing by four points to the Brooklyn Nets. And we're not talking the normal Brooklyn Nets. We're not talking Katie and Kyrie and James. No, no Katie, no Kyrie, just James Harden. And uh, that was more than enough in that second half. And in particular, the second half of the fourth quarter, to put the nets over the top and and look i know a lot of people were ready to fire monty williams on sun twitter we're ready to trade deandre ayton oh my gosh back the car up a bit all right it, let's let's not have a complete panic attack and that's why i'm glad we're doing this the day after and not minutes after that game because the, there were a lot of emotions but to me it was simple the first half the sun's offense was out of this world on fire and the second half they were colder than parts of texas all right right now they they just they dropped below freezing couldn't hit anything and then obviously the defense was suspect in particular in that fourth quarter uh, they get outscored 74 49 in the second half a huge swing uh and in particular the bench was a was a big thing you saw 24 points from them in the first half eight in the second half, are are you feeling like it's okay? Because to me, this is a blip. This isn't an indication that everything is back to panic mode, especially the winning streak. They'd won nine out of 10, six in a row. Uh, they looked very good. This is a blip to me, not a crisis point. But what about for you, So, Well, you know, I think it's more of, you know, I, I know teams blow big leads, right? Uh, and, and think about this. Uh, just what a month and a half, two months ago, the Suns did the very same thing to the Los Angeles Clippers and almost won that game. 
And that would have been the biggest comeback in the NBA this season, right? They kind of, I think they even took the lead by one point and then it went away and the Clippers finally found their legs and came back. But um, I think there's a major difference here. The Clippers have some veterans and they got some ballers who came through at the end when they needed them the most. And besides Chris Paul, nobody else did. Nobody else on this Phoenix Suns roster did. And the main one, and we're going to talk about him, you know, later on about, you know, in terms of his player of the week accolades, the main one was Devin Booker. And, and to me, that's the biggest, that was the biggest thing that I took away out of this game is that Devin Booker is the superstar on this team. I know Chris Paul's in the fold and he's been balling and, and, and he's the superstar, right? He's been to 12 all-star games and whatever. Yes, I know. But Devin Booker, this is Devin Booker's team. And what James Harden did to, to the Suns is what Devin Booker should have done to the Nets, especially when the game was on the line. But Devin Booker was largely absent in that entire second half. He had 17 to start the game. You thought he was going to have a a 60-point night, and all of a sudden he goes from 17 to just 22, scoring five for the rest of the game, cold as ice, couldn't hit a bucket. And when when the Suns needed him the most, he wasn't able to come through, whereas James Harden kind of, you know, he he watched what his teammates were doing to get them back into the game, and then he took it from there. You know, making great passes, was able to hit big shots, including that three over Mikhail Bridges at the end. Everybody attacking DeAndre Aiden at the end of this game because he wasn't able to guard Jeff Green, James Harden on the perimeter. And yes, absolutely, there were some points and times when DA just played some terrible defense. Absolutely, but there was also points and times when he was physical enough leading his man into a double team, and the double team just didn't even care, didn't even try to get in the way. And that's not on D.A. You know, So I would say it was about 50-50 in terms of D.A.'s performance versus the overall team's performance. And that's just it, – it, it, it takes a team to, to lose a 24-point lead, not one individual. It's not just Devin Booker. It's not just D.A. It's the entire team outside of Chris Paul. Look, even putting 50% of it at the feet of DA is a little much to me. What big man in the league do you expect to be able to switch out on the perimeter and guard James Harden? The best defenders in the league, the best guards and wings that are defenders in this league can't guard James Harden when he gets like that. There was there was at least four instances in the last six minutes where the Nets were coming up the floor and like Booker and Bridges would look at each other and not know who they were supposed to guard, man wide open in the corner. And then the CP3 and Mikhail Bridges or CP3 and Cam Johnson, like total confusion on matchups and just basic stuff like get your man when they cross half court type stuff. That was just unacceptable at, at this level. And this is, you know, it's a series of unfortunate events that lead to uh, a catastrophic meltdown like this. Oh, and where was the help in the lane, right? The the lane looked like the I-10 at 3 a.m. It was completely wide open. Like if, at least you didn't say I-17. No, <laughs> if DA is out there on the perimeter, there should be at least help behind him. Just in case, you know, one of the best scorers in the league gets behind uh, your center when he's trying to guard him on the perimeter. I just, I, 
I thought the defense was was not great, obviously, but it needs to be team defense when you're playing against James Harden, and and it just was not there. It's not one guy's effort. The entire team failed in in their execution on the defensive game plan in the second half, and in particular that fourth quarter. To your Devin Booker point, Devin Booker goes two of twelve, or excuse me, three of twelve in the second half. Three of twelve after starting six of eight in that first quarter. And he only gets he only gets two shots off in the second quarter after that huge first quarter. Problematic in a, in a number of ways. I feed the hot hand if I'm if I'm the Suns. I don't completely go away from him. But then Devin Booker to your point needs to step up. What James Harden did for the Nets is what you need Devin Booker to do for the Suns. He needs to come through and wind up winning a game for this team in this kind of a situation, closing it out when Chris Paul in that fourth quarter gave it everything. I mean, Chris Paul could not have done more to try to close that out. I, you know, he he just couldn't have, he was hitting everything in that fourth and he seemed to be the only guy scoring it at, at a few points. That's when you need Devin Booker to say, all right, I'll be, I'll be bat or I'll be robbing your Batman right now. I'm going to come and I'm going to help you. I'm going to play well also. I'm going to try to recapture some of what I did in that first quarter or cut to the hoop and get to the get to the line and try to stop this bleeding. Yeah. The Suns, uh, Devin Booker in particular, did not do that in the second half uh, and, and in that fourth quarter, and that is problematic. But what what is encouraging to me about it is, you said it earlier, when the Suns almost came back against the Clippers, the Clippers had those veterans that, that closed it out, right? There's a lot of inexperience on the Suns roster, especially in particular guys that are playing key minutes. Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson. These are all inexperienced guys when it comes to playing meaningful basketball at the NBA level. The closest they got was the bubble. And and that wasn't even that wasn't even facing some of the best teams in the NBA like you were facing James Harden last night. That's what's encouraging to me is hopefully this is a learning moment. This is something that you go, okay, we can't let up. We are not good enough to let up when we're up big because this will happen again. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think, I think there's a, there's a big uh, jump that, that teams are going to make. And this team will make that jump. I, I, I do believe that when you go from, beating a team because the team that you're playing is making their own mistakes or they're playing down to their competition, which used to be the Suns, to matching another team's greatness with your own greatness. And I think that's that's where the Suns' evolution is going to have to come. And honestly, Devin Booker's never been in this position before. He just hasn't. He's never had this this kind of pressure. And, and it sounds weird to say pressure in a, in a midseason game against a team who has two of their three superstars out of the game. But James Harden is still a superstar. Devin Booker was clearly ready to play at the beginning of the game. And when his team was kind of on the ropes, that's when you got to show up the most. And and this is just as much on the team as it is even Monty. You know, CP3 was, was lights out down the stretch. Why are we running set plays for Devin Booker who, who just wasn't able to handle the moment at the time? He fumbled the ball, which led to a jump ball which ultimately led to uh, DA getting out jumped by Jeff Green and the Nets score. 
then Devin Booker gets bodied. He was bodying the same guy who he just absolutely abused in the first quarter in Landry Schmidt. Comes back in the fourth quarter, and Landry Schmidt matches the challenge, steps up, and stops Booker from beating him down. And Booker takes a kind of an off-balance shot and then complains about a foul, but there was no foul. Like, you got to come through in those moments, Devin Booker. You just do. And he knows that. And I guarantee you, when Devin Booker went to the locker room last night, I guarantee you there wasn't another person in that locker room that was more furious about their performance than Devin Booker. I can promise you that. And that's why he's a superstar. But or I'm going to say star. He's not a superstar because we saw a superstar come through in the clutch last night. Devin Booker's got to make that evolution from star to superstar. He's going to make it. It's just going to take some time. Well, he, he saw on his own team a superstar and what they do, what, yeah. what Chris Paul tried to do in that fourth to match James Harden. And you're right. Devin Booker hasn't faced this kind of pressure. He's used to being on the other end of it, being down 24 and trying to push and chase and, and score uh, as much as you can to get back in a game. And uh, so being on the other side of it, I think is probably a little weird because you don't know how to react. He knows how to push himself when you're down to fight tooth and nail to get back in a game. But he and then a lot of this roster still needs to learn how do you actually hold a lead how do you keep that intensity up along the way yeah. and they'll get there you have to have moments like this to learn to grow to to wind up there eventually just like in the playoffs a lot of times you have to take your lumps before you make that next step look at jordan and and those pistons teams uh, you have to learn those lessons hopefully that's what this is for the suns but one thing that that bothered me last night and it has been the case throughout this year is rotations, right? Last night, Frank Kaminsky for the first time uh, in, I believe it was six games, doesn't start. And I understand Jay Crowder back from, from injury. The analytics say that Crowder is the guy you should go with. The matchup even last night with, with the Nets playing smaller dictated that. But then Kaminsky doesn't play a minute. How do you go from starting and playing what was what felt like a key role in in that run that they were on to not playing a minute in the game? And you look at it and also Langston Galloway didn't play a minute. And these rotations are very, very odd to me. There's no consistency to who's playing, how much, when, why. And I understand health and injuries has, has played a part in that. I said it on Saturday. I'm one of those guys. I want to respect the streak at least a little bit. You don't have to start Frank. I, I, I sarcastically was talking about that on Twitter that, oh, you didn't start Frank. See what happens. But to not play him at all after he probably had his best stretch, at least in a Suns uniform uh, over, over the last handful of games while you had your winning streak, that is problematic to me and, and makes me wonder – is that a bigger issue that we don't that we're not seeing consistency out of lineups, which then makes it tougher for guys to build that chemistry when they're not quite sure who they're going to be on the floor with as well. For sure. I mean, I I, I think Monty would, you know, I, I know there's guys on the on the roster. Um, I think I read an article where um, they would get text messages from Monty when he would say, you know, thanks for being a pro. Thanks for sticking this out. You know, we'll get you some run here and there, blah, 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 blah. 
Uh, I think uh, one of them was obviously each one more. And I, I, I would be shocked if, if, if he didn't do the same thing to Frank Kaminsky yesterday. Uh, you know, he had to have looked at the tape and said, we could have used him here. We could have used him here. I don't know why we didn't put him in here. Like there's definitely situations that, that were there for the taking. And, and he, and Monty, Monty, Monty Williams did not coach a good game in the second half. I, I, I think that was kind of obvious. Um, not only from the rotations, but some of the sets that they were calling, who they were calling him up for, and just the overall defensive uh, schematic, you know, a scheme, I should say, it was just off. It was just off. You got to adjust in the NBA. If you keep throwing players the same crap over and over and over again, they're going to figure it out and they're going to murder you for it. They just will. James Harden is absolutely going to do that. James Harden, I remember two years ago or three years ago when he was with the Rockets, they're playing the Warriors. I think it was one of those Saturday night games. And it didn't matter who the Warriors were throwing, whether it was Clay or Draymond or whoever, he was torturing them because they kept switching on the double and they kept putting Draymond in there. And Draymond started to figure that out. He tried to switch it up with Clay. It didn't matter. It didn't matter because Harden was reading the way they were playing off that double team and he was just killing them, killing them all game. And exactly what happened last night. James isn't even in peak form right now. He's still a little, little, little chunky around the waist, like I am. You know, he's still trying to get back into to complete playing shape. But James Harden at eighty percent is better than about ninety nine percent of the league. And last night against against the Suns, that's exactly what happened. Monty has to adjust. He's got to adjust every single game. It's not just a this worked last game. We're going to do it again this time. Or or even if they played the Nets before and they played Harden, well, this worked against Harden last time. Well, we're going to do it again this time. No, you have to constantly adjust. Players are too good in the NBA to just do the same shit over and over and over again at them. Sorry for Custis. Swear jar. Uh, <laughs> so you are listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show here on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's our special midweek. I'm usually not episode. this amped up. But no, you're not. <laughs> because it's usually 8 a.m. on a Saturday, and it's tough true. to be that amped up this at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it is the midweek stimmy as we're... Uh, We'll change that name, I'm sure. But as I've, I like it, I, I've dubbed it right now the midweek stimmy. You can uh, join the flaming ballers by clicking that join button on YouTube. That is the only way you can see the video for this episode. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a five star review. It helps us with the algorithms so we can show up when uh, people are looking for good Suns content. So we've talked that Nets game to death. I mean, I'm sure we could sit here and scream a little bit more about it, but sure. to me, you got to look at the full picture, right? And you got to mm-hmm. take that, uh, that 5,000 foot view and get, get out from the one game and look at where they are. They're 17 and 10. When we record this on Wednesday, they went on a, a run that was nine of 10, six in a row. They, they played, probably their prettiest half of basketball in the first half of the Nets game. Like that was, uh, I would argue that, that that was maybe the best we've seen them play uh, overall in that first half. So it, to me, it feels like those people that are on the ledge, the people that were, were having full fledged panic attacks on Tuesday night uh, need to need to look at, at it in totality. Yeah. Still fourth in the West. 
have proven that they can beat good teams, have proven that they can get big leads on, on very good teams. It's about learning how to close out, and that's something that every young team goes through as well. But what do you need to see in the next four or five games to feel like this isn't isn't something that will become a trend, but more was the exception and the winning streak was the rule that that we'll continue to see. Oh man, you know, again, the, these are just some of the bumps and the bruises that you're going to have during a season. I'm okay with, I, I'm okay with that. They lost. I'm not okay with the way they lost, but I think that's also a learning point and teams are going to go through this. Right. And, and if you have a veteran team, which the sun's, Kind of do, kind of don't, right? They have Jay Crowder and they have CP3. CP3 is the most important part of this entire puzzle. If you don't have CP3 in the fold, then I would be worried. Um, you know, if you had Ricky Rubio, I know Ricky Rubio has been around the block, but he's not the same thing. He hasn't proven year after year that he can be an all-star and play at a certain level, and he hasn't played in a ton of big games. CP3 has. So I think he is going to be the calming presence that the Suns team needs to get over this hump, right? Because it's going to happen again. The Suns are going to be up by a lot in another game some point this season, and a team's going to make a run. At that point, do they get a little unraveled? Do they get a little rattled? Or do they come through? And the next time we see this, you're going to learn a lot about that team, this team, and you're going to figure out whether or not that's that's how they're going to roll. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they move forward. I think they'll adjust. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. I, I guarantee. I mean, even back in high school, we got routed our first game of the season my senior year by like 40. We learned from it. We came back, and like 14 games later, we played that same team and beat them by two. Like, it happens. You're gonna If you have experience on your team, you'll come back. You'll adjust. These guys have a bad day, a bad game, a bad quarter. Um, they learn from it and they move on and they can reflect on those experiences when they come back to them in the future uh, and, and capitalize. And so I, I think the Suns team will do just fine. Yeah, for me, what I need to see over the next handful of games is no major blown leads. That, that'll that make me feel better. Even if there's some losses in there, uh, at least you're not seeing a repeat of, of what the problem was against the Nets. And then some more consistency in rotations like we talked about uh, and just help defensively the team defensive mentality. That's how you, how they became a top five defense in the league. It wasn't because of one or two players it was because the entire team had bought in and they were working together on that end of the floor that, that went away in that Nets game. But overall I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good with where they are and just want to see that consistency. I'm going to, Bring up, uh, go ahead, Saul. You have another. Uh, point yeah, there. I just I, you know one one quick thought. I think the team that they play next is the perfect opponent to be able to bounce back against because a they just blew you out uh, a couple weeks ago or a week or two ago. It's been so long; I can't even. The days just kind of blur. Um, you blew them out in the very first game of the season. So, what did you learn from the first game to the second game and now to the third game against the New Orleans Pelicans? You're playing in New Orleans. I think this is a perfect opportunity to kind of get away from home, get away from whatever distractions there might possibly be. I don't imagine there are a ton now that because of COVID. Um, and, and you're going on the road to, to, to kind of lick your wounds and, and bounce back and get back on the horse. So, I think this is a perfect opponent. Agreed. And, and I think your point about going on the road is a good one uh, after as many 
days that they spent in Phoenix and, and that long homestand, there is sometimes a, a refocus when you head out on the road, even, even in a weird year like this, there, there could be that, uh, that galvanizing that happens on the road and a, a good way to kind of cleanse your palate of what happened on Wednesday night, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday night at Phoenix Suns Arena. I want to give out something you saw. You don't know I'm doing this, and we don't have any graphics because, well, this is a primarily audio-only episode, so it works out all right. But I'm going to give out my uh, my baller of the week right here, uh, and it has nothing to do with an actual Suns player. Surprise, surprise. Me going off the board with something weird? Who would have guessed? But on Tuesday night at the Nets game, Cronkite student Bobby Murphy comes up big, right? He's at the game with the, he and uh, 3000 of his closest friends actually it was three of his, uh, of his friends. Uh, and they're, they're sitting there at the game and their, their back is up against the suite level, right. And in, in the arena and obviously not a lot of people at the game uh, in general with social distancing and everything, but uh, apparently around halftime, he realizes Kendall Jenner is in the suite behind them, right? Obviously, uh, dating Devin Booker, but he knows he keeps his he keeps his wits about him. He stays a superstar Just in the situation. Cool. Stay cool, buddy. Just uh, stay yeah, cool. Under unlike Ke- Kendall's boyfriend in the fourth quarter, these guys stayed cool. They, and he made <laughs> no, he made he a was point cool. Say, he was too cool in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> he he made a point to say to his friends. Be cool, but Kendall Jenner is behind us. <laughs> so out of nowhere, they they concoct the scheme of we need a picture of us at this game, but we obviously can't take it. So they they ask Kendall Jenner to take a photo of them, right? Playing dumb, acting as if like they don't really know who she is. And she says, Yes, but I won't touch your phone because coronavirus. Good on her. And she takes a photo with her phone and airdropped it to this I dude mean, dude That's like if level. i got an airdrop by kendall jenner or whatever that pop-up is i'm taking a screenshot of that that's the only fail that this guy had is that he didn't take a screenshot we don't airdrop. know he might have he may just not have shared it publicly true, and true. then these guys have the guts to say hey can we take a selfie with you they finally admit that they know who kendall jenner is so hat tip to you guys the photo is uh is on Twitter and you can actually go to the that's a hat tip from two U of A guys right there. I know that that's impressive when the sun devil uh, gets acknowledged by the, uh, by the wildcats. Uh, You can actually see the entire story at sports Cronkite uh, on Twitter. They have the photos as well, but you are a baller of the week hat tip to you. Good, sir. Impressive. And and in a game that uh, didn't have a lot of moments that you could laugh at, that actually brought me a, a good amount of joy uh, reading that this afternoon on uh, Wednesday afternoon. So that's uh, no, he is our Bobby Murphy, our baller of the week. Uh, hat tip to you. Uh, wanted to do a solar panel flaming baller sack, a male sack, as we got a question on Twitter, Saul, today that I wanted to bring up between uh, you and I. And uh, of course, I, when I pulled up the Kendall Jenner tweet, it knocked the other thing off. It's from uh, Tyler at, at Tyler Beer it, uh, Bear it. I, I, I can't read. I think it's at Tyler Barrett is, is the handle uh, bear as in the animal bear and it as in the word it. 
Uh, he reached out to us and wants to know, would a John Collins trade make this team better? And we briefly touched on this in Saturday's episode, but I thought it was an interesting question given what happened on Tuesday night. Do you think a trade for John Collins would make this team better? Uh, no, no, I, I just don't. Because John Collins, to me, John Collins is a low post player. He's a, he's a very... Uh, he's a he's a good strong low post player, but um, I just don't feel like he gives you the flexibility that you're going to need for for what you want. Now, if you're talking about if you just look at last night, is John is is Collins Garden Harden? No, is he call is he is he Garden any of those three perimeter players? Not effectively effectively enough, not in my opinion. Um, you know, I know a lot of people were even clamoring for Sarich. Uh, what? No, like. Da is more athletic than Sarge, and he's getting blown by like like a turnstile. Like Sarge isn't going to stop this guy either, you know. And so I don't think John Collins is the answer. Um, I I think somebody, you know, uh, a stretch four uh, with a little bit more of a consistent outside shot, I think is what they're looking for. Like a Lowry Markinen, I think would be a good trade um, partner or a target. But uh, yeah, no, I'm not on the John Collins uh, train at all. Oh. I get your stance in the Nets game in particular. That probably doesn't change things because John Collins is more of, of an offensive player. He's not going to be the guy that's going to get you the, the stops, especially against James Harden. But that's the thing. When you think of the two guys that have defensively hurt or hurt the Suns with their offense, or that the Suns defense couldn't stop. It was Jokic in a double overtime when DeAndre Ayton had fouled out and you're running Frank Kaminsky at him. And it's James Harden when, uh, when they were switching and DA had to guard him. It's not exactly like these are, are typical uh, issues that you're going to run into on a regular basis. I'm hoping if you face the Nets again in, in any kind of a meaningful game, which would likely be the NBA finals, which Hello. I'd be all right with that. Be okay uh, with that too. You would hope that you, you make changes in the way you play defensively so you're not putting deandre ayton on an island there so i obviously yeah john collins isn't going to help you there but to me he's one of the few realistic targets you could have at a power forward spot because of when it comes down to money right i mean he's not shooting poorly from three this year either he's shot 40 percent last year and 41 percent this year so far on three and a half attempts not a lot of attempts but he can stretch the floor slightly so just because i know you brought that up Saul, i think he can do that but but for me it's the salary right if you look at power forward as the logical place to upgrade which i think a lot of people do i in particular am one of them i think jay crowder is nice i don't think he is the starting power forward you should be rolling out there I just don't. And, and I feel the same way about Cam. Uh, like, I think Cam is is going to be very, very good. He's not there yet. He's inconsistent. And I don't think you could start him. I feel like Jake Crowder has kind of lost himself and has turned into trying to just be a guy that's a, a three-point bomber uh, and not being that, that gritty guy that you necessarily thought. Maybe he gets back to it. It changes things. But to me, power forward is a spot to upgrade. And you have limited cap space. You are not sitting on a on amount of money. John Collins is only making four and a half. So it's a, it's one you can match if you're willing to go in on it. The problem is it's expiring. So then you have to decide, is he part of your future and how would you make that work? But if, if you're, I'm of the belief you have to go all in these next two years because that's 
the only guarantee you have Chris Paul on this roster. And as we saw, uh, he is a difference maker. We've seen that all year. So I'd go all in. I just, I'm, I'm on the fence if John Collins is that all in move, but he's one that actually could financially make sense. I saw like Thaddeus Young thrown out there. He makes 13 million. There's no way you can do it. I said JJ Redick at one point when his name came up, but he makes 14. You can't do it without giving up some some piece that that to make the financials work and I don't think you you want to go that route. No. So so then you're looking at guys making making less if you're going to try to add to this. Yeah, if you're going to try and add some one of those guys, one of those types of guys, you you're talking about having to give at least give up at least Sarich. You know what I mean? Oh, very least. Yeah. You know, at, at, at the very least, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have to do that. And, and I don't, I don't think that's what the Suns want to do. I think Sarge is going to be a part of the, this team for a while. And um, you know, what pieces do you have to offer that you don't want to lose because you're trying to also build for the future. So, you know, it, it's, it's tricky. Uh, John Collins would be a nice addition, but I don't think he's the addition. If you're looking at, you know, I, I think what they're what the Suns are going to be trying to do is solidify their position as a top four team in the West without sacrificing too much of the future because and, and then hoping they can maybe catch lightning in a bottle bottle and just be insanely great in the playoffs and maybe make a run to the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers because you know it's going to be the Lakers. So, um, you know, it, that's what I think the Suns are hoping for. Uh, so is that piece that they get from whatever team, is it going to be able to solidify where they're at to avoid losses like last night? I think the one thing that maybe you're you're kind of round, in a roundabout way you're kind of pointing to is they need more consistency in scoring in the paint. And they're not getting it from anywhere else. They need to get it from DA. They're not getting it as much as, from DA as they would like. So where else can you get it? And I think that's where Saric comes in. He does give you a little bit of that. You need a little bit more, though, if you want to be a legit contender. Um, and and that's what I mean. People are talking about the Phoenix Suns as a contender now, like that was not the case two weeks ago, and and for good reason. They're only going to get better. Who do you bring in that's going to make sure that they they can get to that you know three or four spot? That's that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough one to find. But maybe they can do it. Look, the mindset should be to be a contender. If their would mindset is, if would you trade Jay Crowder? Is, yes, I would trade Jay Crowder if the right opportunity came up. I I consider, I may consider you know a Sarich if the right deal came up. But to me, if they're just okay with making the playoffs, that's problematic. As a team, as an organization. Your goal should always be to be a contender and to be trying to make that NBA finals. And we've seen those windows shut quickly in the NBA. And yeah, sometimes I mean, they stay shut for a decade, as we know all too well here. I don't You've got to crap. If you, can, if you can chase it and not completely mortgage the future, do it. Yeah, I don't think they are. I don't think they. that's even a thought in their mind that they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're, they're full go in terms of trying to – you don't bring in Chris Paul just to make the playoffs for two years. No. That's just not part of the equation. No, you you have to be thinking, can we get to a title if the path is is right? And maybe AD getting injured, if that's more serious than they're letting on, could be that path for a lot of teams in the Western Conference. And 
if, if that's the case, you definitely have to try to go after that and go all in. Uh, the most important question of the Flaming Ballers mailbag comes from Darth Voida, a final question of the mailbag. Do you prefer Cheddar Jack or Swiss cheese on a burger, Saul? Uh, Cheddar Jack. Swiss cheese is for the birds. Sharp, sharp Swiss or sharp uh, white American cheese. That's that's the only way to go. You can have your, uh, uh, you can have your Cheddar Jack. Swiss cheese. Who the hell likes cheese with big holes in it? No, get away. No. I mean, we can all agree the burger has to be the, the best part of the whole thing. Otherwise, the cheese is just lipstick yeah. on, uh, <laughs> on, on a, a cow. You know, <laughs> on a cow. It's not a pig. It's a cow. So, yeah. but but yes, I, I'm I'm going to lean more towards the Swiss or a sharp American. It all falls in the uh, Cheddar Jack. So, uh, real quick, uh, because I actually have an appointment that starts in five minutes, and I didn't realize it. Twenty fifth anniversary of Happy Gilmore this week. If you were to pick one sports movie that you could only watch, you could not watch another sports movie ever again, what would it be? Uh, White Man Can't Jump. I'm yeah. going to admit something that you're going to give me a hard time about. Never seen White Man Can't Jump. What? I have never seen oh. White Man Oh, dude, I don't even know if I could be on this solar panel anymore after that. What? I will watch it before Saturday. Now that I you, know dude, that, that has to happen. I, like, I will, and I'll review it on Saturday. So, oh my gosh! I hope it changes my life. I've heard many good things about it, just never watched it. For me, uh, it's Bull Durham. I love Bull Durham. Uh, quote that movie on a far too regular basis. I'd say Major League, but that's just too cheesy. I just, you know, what's so funny. Too cool. Never You've never seen, seen Bull, Durham. Bull Durham? No. All right, you gonna watch Bull Durham? I'll watch White Man. No, I'm not watching Bull Durham. I don't even like baseball. Why would I watch Bull Durham? Not about. It's not about baseball. It's actually really. I've watched Major League. I've watched all those movies. Hey, fine, fine. Don't watch Bull Durham. I'll I'll watch White Man Can't Jump though. You can uh, let us know what your favorite sports movie is uh, by tweeting us at Sun Solar Panel. You can tweet him at Saul underscore Bookman. The underscore is there because. You know, his uh, name needs a little stimmy between the first and the last. So there the you go, baby. That may be stimmy. That. I'm at Espo. You, you can uh, reach me there on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Leave us five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you want to see the video of the midweek, you can join uh, on YouTube. Click the join button. Become a flaming baller, a supporting member of the show. We do appreciate all of you. It is the midweek stimmy. So for the Carmel Thunder from Down Under, Saul Bookman, and the absent Dave King, I'm Greg Esposito. Ahoy hoy, and we'll talk to you on Saturday here on the Solar Panel.